Hello, fellow grievers. Today, you have reached Season 3, Episode 7 of the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations podcast, and I'm Melissa, your host. Today is one of my mini solo episodes where I go down the rabbit hole to talk about something that's been on my mind. And bear with me if this isn't exactly right, because sometimes I change the title just slightly of my episode. But at the time of recording this, the plan is to call it trauma-induced creativity. Why does helping help? So what do I mean by this? Because sometimes I don't think we even realize that what we have experienced with the loss of someone we love to suicide as trauma, but it most definitely is trauma. And I mean, I qualify that by saying a loss of any kind can be traumatic. It isn't just the loss of a loved one to suicide, but I know that the loss of a child by suicide, a child by any means, the loss of someone extremely close to us, and then you throw in there the complexity of suicide as a way for someone to die. And it most definitely is a traumatic event in our life. So today, what I'm going to dive down the rabbit hole to talk about is actually something that was spurred from a conversation that I had recently with my husband. It started out with us talking about communities, because if you follow me at all, you'll know that my online communities are starting to uh, really take shape and they're building and membership and all of those things. And so communities has been something we've been talking about on and off, um, meaning its significance, its relevance, um, my plans for it, all the things, the reasons why community is so important to us grievers. And from that conversation, we kind of went around, around a rabbit hole, right, if you will, and dove down into it a bit, but we went from talking about communities as a safe space and a place to find others who understand, which is the absolute like basics of why a community matters. But from there, I did kind of go down the rabbit hole to talk about my bigger vision and how I see the community spaces within the leftover pieces, as well as other community spaces where grievers exist as being places that you also grow inside of. You don't grow out of them if they're the right space. You grow inside of them. So it allows you to do things like tap into your creativity and find spaces and places inside of that community where you can utilize the newly tapped and opened up creativity that comes from trauma. So that's that's what I want to talk about. Like that's where this idea for today's talk was spun in my head, was wanting to talk about how trauma opens up our creativity. Because to me, it's very much linked with why so many people that have been through a traumatic life-changing event do things that are that, that seem to be outside of what they would normally do or seem to be something that's on a bigger level. And I'll give you an example. You know, it's either something like someone deciding to become a volunteer or an advocate and be outspoken about suicide loss or mental health or, uh, you know, there's a lot of places within that realm we could go. They might write a book. They might write a blog. 
They might start a foundation. Some people take up writing poetry. They begin to paint. Um, they start a podcast. <laughs> um, there are things like that that happen routinely with people that have lost someone or su suffered a traumatic event in their life. And I kind of wanted to delve into not only the, the whys, but the whys. So I want to delve into why that happens, but I want to delve into why it's important in our journey and why I encourage everybody to do this on some level. So let me dial it back a minute and start in some sort of an order that isn't quite as rambling. Let's stop Alice from tumbling head over heels. Let's land on the grass for a minute, look around us and talk. So I'm going to back up by talking about the science of trauma and the notion that from suffering can come genius. So kind of that fine line between genius and madness is the way I see it. And why does that happen so often? Why is it that we even look at composers and authors and artists and say some of their greatest work was done in their times of greatest angst or greatest tragedy. Why is that? Well, the science of it tells us that our real creative voices that exist on some level in all of us, and yes, some of us are more creative than others for sure, but we have a creative voice that comes from the deep parts of us. And often, especially as we grow up and become adults and learn to stuff all of the things that once we were more free about, those creative parts live deeper inside of us. And what happens in trauma is those deep parts become more open and accessible or more available to us because, well, I'll use my analogies, you've been shattered, you've been split wide open, and it tends to draw out those more tender, deeper, I'll even say truer to the core of who we are parts of us. So creative outlets help us understand ourself and the world around us better, which helps us heal. So therefore, trauma induces creativity and creativity induces growth. And as that translates to a griever, it induces healing. Because as we grow forward, we are doing the important part of healing the shattered parts of ourself. Now, if you are a regular listener to my podcast, let me make sure I clarify for the people that aren't, because those of you that do, do listen, I'm sure already understand this. But I don't believe that we are shattered after suicide loss, and then we get put back together and we move on. I believe that we are shattered and we put ourselves back together when we heal, but we're not the same. The cracks are still there. The holes are still there because we couldn't find all of the pieces. Some of them are gone after a, after a loss like this. After a shattering like this, some of the parts disintegrated. Some of them blew into oblivion and were not replaceable. So 
I'm not saying when I say get put back together and heal, that's not the same as saying fixed. We don't get fixed after suicide loss, but we can be okay again. So that's what I'm talking about. And how is creativity or doing something with a creative part of us important? And then when do we know it's the right time to do that? And that was some of what I talked about with my husband too, because everybody's different. I know people that have written a book in the first six months after their loss. I also know people that have taken three years or five years or 10 years before they started really doing what it is they do from that has stemmed from their loss. So what is the right formula? Well, as you probably have suspected, I'm going to tell you that our journeys are extremely unique because there's so much that goes into each of our journeys. You have to factor in ourselves and our lives and the person that we lost and how that impacted our individual lives. So there are so many things that, that factor into that, which is what makes it so unique. But I will, for just a moment, argue that most of us know when we're being nudged to do something. And so what is something and why is it important? Well, I'll go to the what is something in a minute. But for me, I think a lot of why it's important is because Gaining perspective about our place, really our place in the world, but especially our place after loss and perspective grounds us. And we gain that perspective when we turn away from our own self and look at everything outside of ourselves. So that's how we gain perspective, right? We look at the bigger picture, and it helps us understand things not only on the outside, but on the inside. So my husband and I's discussion kind of went to the place where he said, are you going to actually tell everybody that they have to do something? Meaning, you know, does everybody have to write a book or start a foundation, Melissa? Does everybody have to start a podcast? He was taking the other side of the debate, which I appreciated him doing. It really gave me perspective, right? He said, but aren't some people not creative? Like he was saying, some people might still be okay, even if they don't choose to become a part of an organization or start their own foundation or write a book. Like everybody that suffers a loss or has a traumatic event occur to them doesn't do that. And so you're not really going to go out and tell everybody that they have to do that, are you? <laughs> and I appreciated what he was saying, because it was valid, because he's right, I was taking more of the angle that when you get to a place that you feel stuck and need to grow forward, which was a place that I was at at one point, that the way out of that was an outlet. The way out of that for me was to turn outward and start to help other people. And so my answer to him, as you've probably guessed by now, if you know me at all, was somewhat complicated and not necessarily popular. <laughs> but I said to him, well, yes, I'm going to tell people that. And he said, like, what happens if someone that's listening 
doesn't like that and they're not one of those people. And here's my answer to that. And I'll expand on my yes as well. But I said to him, first of all, the people that listen to my podcast know me well enough to know that what is in my mind comes out of my mouth so that I can share with them my perception of my lost journey so that it might help them in some way. I also reminded him that I do tell you to take what serves you and leave the rest because that's what we all need to do with places like this is take the little bit that serves you. And I, and I fully understand that everything that has served me or everything I think may not serve everyone else. And that's okay. But then I'll go back to my yes for just a second. When I said, he said, are you going to tell everybody that they need to do something creative in order to, you know, move into another space of their healing? And when I said, well, yes, I kind of am going to take that stance. I'm going to qualify it by saying I have a very broad definition of what I mean by do something creative or help somebody because that does look different to all of us. And I'm going to go to opposite extremes, but where one person might take up gardening where they didn't garden before and they do it privately and they do it on their own and they might not even share it with anybody or they take up painting and they never painted before and they don't share that with anyone. They don't go on to create a foundation around their painted project and, and make it a, a mission. Um, I, and then the other side of that is someone who starts a global project, a global organization where they plan to routinely be in the public eye and try to um, advocate or bring awareness to suicide or mental health or loss or teenage bullying or fill in the blank, right? We could keep going with the um, parts of this that relate to suicide loss. And yes, those are two opposite extremes, but I will tell you that they probably have the same effect for that person, for the people involved. It that's, that's where in our individuality lies is no, everybody isn't going to have the need, the want, the desire, the push, uh, whatever words you want to put to it to do something on, on what would be perceived as a grand scale. I will tell you that it's just as grand inside of us to do anything that turns us outside of ourselves and gives us an outlet to heal. And then the other piece of that is I do believe that telling our story is powerful to our own healing journey. So whether that's sitting inside of a small community of other grievers, like a support group and sharing your story, or whether that is going on a show and sharing your story so that others may, may get something from it and doing it on a grander stage, to me, that's really not the relevant piece. We listen to what we need to do and we move forward with that, but I do believe there's power in telling our story. I believe there's power in some sort of advocacy or awareness, and that might be as big as planning the local walk in your area for like a, an organization like AFSP or something that you have in your country. And it might be um, the other side of that, which is showing up and walking with a picture of your loved one in your hands, 
to me, what that's doing for you inside has the same impact. And so, yes, I do believe that getting involved and looking in a, at a way that you can help somebody or participate in an awareness campaign, which ultimately just is somebody else knowing about your loss. So it's about being seen and being heard as a griever, as a part of this community and society that is our town and our city and our world that lets us be seen, that lets us be heard, and that lets the voice of our loved one ring out beyond the life that they lived. So because I said there are so many ways to do this and so many possible outlets for our creativity after loss by suicide, it would be 100% impossible for me to list all the ways or even try to tell you all the ways. So I'm just going to take a little bit of a attempt at putting together a small list, a small starting point, if you will. And in the show notes, I'm going to list some places that you could consider starting that you could look at and see whether they spark anything in you. And at that point, if nothing does, maybe it will take you down your own rabbit hole of looking at all the things that are available for us to find and see and think about on the internet to get those creative juices flowing and decide where it is you want to go with that part of your healing journey. And in the show notes, I also put that if you have an idea, but you don't know where to go with it, please reach out to me and maybe I can help plug you into something. Or even if you haven't already show up in one of my community spaces, one of my online support spaces, where you can meet with and form relationships and bonds with other parents who have lost a child by suicide. And formulate an idea together. I already have I already have several community members that have been coming regularly for several months that have formed a connection through an interest that they have and are both participating in one of the organizations that I list in the show notes. And one of them was already participating, but it sparked an interest in the other one. And there's several other people that seem interested in doing the same thing. So that's actually one of my bigger plans for the communities is having offshoot groups where people can share and participate in their interests together, whether they're just creative interest or philanthropic interest or writing groups or fill in the blanks, but that's part of the bigger plan. So, so I'll wrap this up today. You know, as I'm thinking back to what I've talked about um, over the last 20 minutes or so, I could have subtitled this, why to get out of that toxic Facebook group and do something different. (laughs) And I only say that because I know that sometimes it's so easy for us to get stuck spending our time doing something like that. And I know we all know what I'm talking about when I say the toxic Facebook group. I'm not saying every Facebook group is toxic because that's not the case. There are some that are very good and are run by um, extremely well-meaning administrators, and they have a really good participation and all of that. But I also know 
that you all live in the same world I do and that there is plenty of toxic spaces that if we choose to spend our time, we will also choose to spend our mind. So I think that especially in grieving, how we take care of our heart and our mind is so vitally important. And at least for today's discussion, I will leave it with, I think, helping others or doing things that somehow helps others is both healthy and on some level necessary in our healing journey. I hope that you have taken some inspiration from today. And like I said before, know that I always want you to take what serves you and leave the rest As we go forward into our day and our week, please know that I'm holding you and your loved one in my thoughts and in my heart. Talk soon.